Like what you hear, but not yet a member of AEI Premium? Go to aei.ag premium to sign up for a free trial today. Hello and welcome. Thanks everyone for joining David and Brent here talking about some of the latest USDA data. Three forecast network questions got closed with the acreage report. So we'll talk about those here in our first episode of July. So July 1st. Happy July, everyone. Brent, what were your first takes from the report? Like everybody else, I was a little surprised in my forecast network question. I I mean, I scored very well on the corn and the soybean questions, but I was wrong on the combined question. So not quite as much acreage response. I was guessing, I guess, originally. I was a little surprised at the magnitude of the move, given the numbers. I think that's, you know, there's no WASD balance sheet update that comes with this report. And so we kind of have to fumble our way through the dark a little bit before the next WASD report that comes out week after next. So what we were doing earlier to help think about this is say, okay, where were we in the June WASD report? And what are some of these new numbers? What do they start to look like? The first thing is we had 91.1 million acres of corn in the June WASD. That was based on everything back from March. Now we're at 92.7. And so if we apply how much of that's harvested in the yield, we get to a a production number of about 15.3 billion bushels. Now the big unknown here, honestly, is ending stock or the beginning stocks for this year. So the USDA can still adjust those because they had that quarterly stocks report. In general, the quarterly stocks report didn't capture as much headline as the acreage number. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of revision here, but they could change it. They could also change the usage numbers. I didn't change those in this sort of quick back of the envelope analysis. But one of the takeaways I got here is the balance sheet. If you look at the balance sheet, there's actually a little more stocks here. And so maybe closer to a a 10 or 10.8 stocks use ratio. Now usage is unknown. Yields are still unknown. But I think the idea here is the market expectations were on one end of the spectrum and the balance sheet is sort of on a different spot. And so the balance sheet might increase going into the July. So less pressure on stocks, but that's different than what the trade was expecting, which was apparently a lot more cushion or a lot more stocks being built into this. Yeah. And so column has a lot of missing numbers. And I think those are the ones that are going to get a lot of attention. Now, for instance, yield, there's going to be a lot of questions about what that yield is going to be, as well as the demand. I mean, indications are so far that demand is pretty strong. The market went so much higher is telling me that people are expecting very, very robust demand and maybe a little bit softer yield than the USDA has uh, plugged in right now. That's what we're going to be watching going forward is just how does that yield number kind of compare? Because honestly, if you just, you know, step back and didn't know anything about expectations, if if you saw another 1.6 million acres of planted corn, uh, you would normally think that over what we were seeing in the June estimate, you'd kind of say, well, that ought to push prices down. But the market was expecting another million on top of that those expectations are just really, really critical. But on its face, it doesn't look quite as bullish. I mean, corn has rallied 
from the lows just a few weeks ago, 517 to $6. Now that's 83 cents a bushel or 179 bushel crop. That's uh, almost $150 an acre, David, revenue swing. <laughs> Seeing pricing opportunities for producers that, you know, we just haven't seen for years. Definitely something to pay attention to if you're on that side of it. And a key takeaway for, I guess, what we're talking about today is separate what the balance sheet looks like and what the expectations are. Because this leads you to this conclusion like, oh, things are getting tight. The market rallied over the last few days. Well, this is what we're trying to share some light on is the balance sheet didn't increase as much as they were expecting. I think that's a really key takeaway. What's really interesting on the soybean switching gears here just a little bit, USDA projected 87.6 million back in March. The June number at the end of the month came in at 87.6 million. The USDA never takes a victory lap, right? But this is <laughs> opportunity. They could take a victory lap. And uh, you know, if, if this would have been a private estimate, they would have they would have lots of press releases and lots of congratulatory statements to themselves. But but they're not going to do that. Of course, the yield number can adjust from here. The beginning stocks and the empty usage. But the takeaway here is just looking at acres planted. I guess the output or the production side of this equation doesn't look to be changing that much. In fact, you could kind of see a scenario where the July WASD almost looks identical to what the June WASD report looks like. And it's a little bit different than the narratives that we've seen out there, which are soybeans have no room for air. Like the, some of the narratives are talking about how the soybeans are, you know, super tight. Well, June stocks use were at 3.5%. We were actually at 2.6% back in May in those projections and 3% last year. So again, we have to make sure we keep an eye on perspective here. Yeah. Again, a lot of uncertainty left on all of these crops, probably even more so on soybeans because that yield determination is coming either even later, I think. The other thing to keep an eye on is read Jeff's yield estimates. I think you're going to see some interesting stuff in that as to what it, it's saying. But for right now, soybeans are up from their low at 1240 to this morning at 1415. So that's $1.75. That's an $87 an acre swing at the national average yield. Big, big swings in profitability of crop production was really profitable. Even at those lower prices, it's phenomenally profitable right now. Something to think about again. <laughs> you know, it's just interesting how rapidly the, all this has changed in, in my mind. It's kind of crazy. We captured a few key thoughts. There's Kind of this narrative about the limited acreage response in the U.S. in 2021, definitely the gap between market expectations and reality. So we were asking about 181 million acres, and it came in below that for corn and soybeans combined. But the trade, the lowest trade estimate was combined at 181, and some of them went up to 186 million. So there's a lot of uncertainty going into the report, and kind of the USDA fell outside of the range of expectations. But one of the key takeaways that we've been trying to remind folks of is all commodities have been profitable this year. And so one of the reasons why we didn't see a big jump in corn and soybean acres is because wheat was actually very competitive last fall and wheat acres were actually higher. And so if you dropped 2 million acres of wheat from where we were, which was, I think we're up about one and a half million. So wheat was just slightly lower than last year or the year before you could have seen 2 million more acres of corn and soybeans. And so there's sort of this allocation of all the slices of the pie. We have to recognize everything's been in there bidding. Even hay prices are strong and they're in there and they're competing for some acres. The next piece I want to point out is we've been watching this global acreage expansion and it all signs point to tight stocks and favorable commodity prices. We'll see where the weather goes and demand goes, but this acreage report coming out of the U.S. will likely signal acreage expansion around the world. 
I'll run through these, Brent. Feel free to jump in if there's anything you want to talk through. It's not the final acre number. We were talking about this a little bit. There's some opportunities for the USDA to make some adjustments. Those adjustments can be really critical in years like 2019 and 2020 with big preventive planting, but not maybe a lot of opportunity or not a lot of reason to see change here in 2021, but don't be surprised if they make some adjustments. A lot of the acreage numbers that could be adjusted from here on out are the harvested acres. So what share of planted gets harvested? I think it's just important to take the last point to recognize that yield and demand are going to take center stage here as we wrap up the next three or four months of the growing season. Yeah, David, you and I were talking about this earlier, that yield, (laughs) really interesting right here. You know, I I live in Nebraska right now, and it's really hard to fight that availability bias, which is telling me that, you know, the crops in this state look phenomenal. It's a good looking corn crop, soybean crop across the state of Nebraska. So you're trying, you know, I know that's the situation here, but that's not the whole country. And there are problems in some areas. And likewise, if you happen to be in one of those problem areas, try and think about, well, it may not be that way everywhere. So we have to kind of step back from that, not just assume that everything looks the same as it does in, in our area. But we were talking that a 2012 kind of event is probably off the table. I mean, given how good the crop is in certain parts of the country. I always say it's completely off the table because, you know, you never know exactly what could happen, but it's not looking that way anyway. But for some areas, they may have 2012 level yields given how dry it is in parts of the country. So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of kind of arguing about what the yield looks like across the country. So I want to spend the last few minutes talking about a few things. The other thing I wrote about this week, there's a lot of content coming out this week. We're going to get the tip of the iceberg. We did one of those always learning posts. So we stepped back and said, what can we learn from the acreage report? And I think it's really important to step back and remember in January, February, and even March, we were looking at a record strong corn to soybean ratio. What does that mean? It means that we've never seen a soybean ratio this high when it comes to the market prices and the crop insurance price. And so there's a lot of wondering, would we have a record amount of soybeans planted, more soybeans planted than corn? So we asked, what's the probability of corn and soybean acreage exceeding 91 million? And we asked that question from early January all the way through June. And so this is a great time for the forecast network to reflect back on how your expectations have shifted there's a lot of reasons why corn had a lot of appeal more than just the price ratio, but you can really look and see how things diverged and how expectations started to form as we got closer and closer to the report. I think this is one of those great charts to look back on. The second one I want to point out is on the 181 million combined acres for the upcoming report. I guess all of us were on the wrong side of this question. We all thought there was a greater than 50% forecast as the question was closing right before the report. But even though we were all above 50%, there was a huge differential of how confident we were. About a quarter of the forecast users had a, a very strong forecast, above 95% likely. And there's several people who were hanging out less than 70%, hanging out there around 50%. So it was very interesting. Even though we were all thinking it was going to go over 181 million, not all of us had the same amount of confidence in that. So Brent, I'm going to wrap this up with unknown unknowns. And I'll let you sort of set the stage here on this one. A few years ago, we started using that as one of the discussion points, the Donald Rumsfeld's famous quotes about known knowns and known unknowns and unknown unknowns, and which was just a really interesting quote. But he passed away this week, I guess, just the other day. I thought we would pay a little homage to someone whose who's, uh, quote we used a lot over the years. 
it's one of those situations where no matter what you think of the individual, you can learn from them. We actually wrote an ideas that make you better about unknown unknowns. This was scheduled for earlier in the week. And then this sort of tied in with this week's events, but read it and think about what unknown unknowns mean about as you think about risk management plans and how you think about risk on your operation or in your business. Yeah, well, one more thing about Mr. Rumsfeld. His obituary is really interesting. I did not realize all the things he had done over the years. He was actually a CEO and, as David said, invented a solitaire plane app that he sold. So he's a really interesting guy. He was the Secretary of Defense twice, correct? I, I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. <laughs>